You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go to Audio Boom and search Locked On to find podcasts on the NFL, the NBA, and much more. I'm Doug Branson, joined by a great panel of Charlotte Hornets experts. First, my co-host, as always, David Walker. David, what's going on? I'm in the car this morning. I saw Thomas Davis doing a video chat yesterday uh, from some outlet in his car, so I'm, I'm doing it in my car. So you're, basi- so you're basically Thomas Davis is what you're saying? Of this podcast, correct. <laughs> <laughs> also from, not in his car, from Raleigh, North Carolina, from atthehive.com, Nick Denning. Nick, what's going on? Yeah, going well. You, you, stole my, you stole my intro, but yeah, I'm not in a car, you know, but I wish I was, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's a great sound booth. That's the thing yeah. that people don't understand about cars. They make them now to to block out, you know, the the sounds of construction and and other cars. So getting into a car is actually a great place to do a podcast for you amateur podcasters out there. It's a pro tip. You can get more of those tips because we actually put podcasting tips on our Patreon page. Join us on Patreon. It's where our number one fans are. You'll get exclusive content, double entries into our ticket giveaways, and most importantly, you will get the satisfaction that you're supporting great local sports journalism. Visit patreon.com slash LOH and donate what you can. Our show today is brought to you by SeatGeek. It's the easiest way to buy and sell tickets online. Use our promo code LONBA to get $20 off your first purchase. All right, we're going to talk about this Kyrie, Isaiah Thomas trade, and maybe a little Julian Stone later on in the show. But first, guys, if you'll allow me, I'd like to clarify a few of the things that I said on Tuesday's episode. Is that okay? Are you guys okay with that? Before we talk about this trade? Good for me. Nick, did you listen to, did you listen to the last episode? I, I, uh, That's it. All right. Cut him off. Cut him off. He's done. Uh, Okay. So on the last episode, I talked about my concerns about some of the comments that we were seeing in the Woj article from Dwight Howard and some of the comments that we were seeing in the media from places like Daily News out of Malik Monk for various reasons. But I think my concerns were a little, maybe I overblew them or maybe they were overblown in general. But I'm not really not nervous about the team in general. These are more long-term concerns, David. Not really short-term concerns. I'm not too concerned about these things leaking in to next season. Certainly more Dwight Howard than than Malik Monk. And and number two, despite my concerns, if I had a time machine, I wouldn't tell the Hornets to not make a trade for Dwight Howard. I think it was the right move at the time. I would not tell the Hornets to not draft. Malik Monk. He was tops on my big board for that 11 spot. I'm just, I'm actually relieved the Hornets are finally starting to take risks. It doesn't mean I'm not nervous about the risk. It doesn't mean I'm not concerned about some of the negative impacts of those risks actually occurring, but I'm, but I'm pleased that they are taking the risk for talent's sake, for results sake, as opposed to only betting low and hoping for a resurgence. So that's my 
just clarification on where my head is. Just want to make sure everybody's get- aware. I'm not depressed. I don't want to depress anyone. That's the thing. I, I think people should be excited about the season, David. Did you get some blowback or something? Did you get some No, concern? there were just a few. Are no, not, not huge. It's late August. Let's be real. But <laughs> uh, no, there were a few comments out there. I just wanted to just set that set that straight. Yeah, I think it was Nick, since you didn't tune in. Doug was really went on a tangent about um, I, I, he sounded like a, a jilted lover, uh, someone that had been bro- broken up with and <laughs> still pining for a former love. Sure. So it was it took a different direction. Uh, but I think some of that I think we learned I think we all learned something about ourselves from that episode. Uh, some of it was valid though. I mean, you're right though, when you have these kind of big bigger swings um that the Hornets are taking, you no, know, there's there's of course gonna be a downside and when somebody is dynamic and a big personality as Dwight Howard, like that comes with the territory. So, you know, um I think everybody's a little wary, but I think the upside is is worth the risk on, on these two situations. I th- that's yeah. the thing. I think wary is good, Nick. I think you got to get a little dirt on the jersey sometimes. I think maybe the Hornets in the past perhaps played it a little safe. And I think the Dwight Howard trade, I think the Malik Monk pick, they aren't completely safe bets. Yeah. No, and and, and actually kind of briefly talked about this uh I did a podcast, limited upside podcast with Mike Prado. Oh, so you listen. Okay, oh, hold on. All right. So okay. how we got it. So you've been on other people's podcast. OPP. Yeah. You're down with OPP, other people's podcast, but you're not, <laughs> you're not. Okay, go on, go on. Um, anyway, and I just kind of made the point of saying, um, you know, in the, because we kind of got the subject from League Monk and in the past, you know, the Hornets have all, it seems that at least in recent, couple of recent years, they've kind of gone with the, the safe pick. Like we kind of know, we kind of can, gauge what the person like we know kind of what Frank Kaminsky was going to be when we drafted him not to saying you know he couldn't become a very good player but you know he's a safer pick um whereas Malik Monk has something he can be something more than that but obviously there's risks risks involved given you know particularly his height or whatnot I'm actually just curious though because I I know I've read the the Woj article about Dwight but what's what's the thing with Malik Monk what are you concerned there (laughs) That's a great question. <laughs> All right, I'm going to briefly, because I'm going to refer everyone to the previous episode if you want to hear my full thoughts on this. But in the Daily News and in other places, he's been sort of, and and uh, to be fair, people are asking him about this. It's not as if he's bringing this up on his own, but he's been talking right. a lot about how he hoped that the Knicks would draft him. Uh, and and that and before the draft, he was talking about oh, play playing for playing in Madison Square Garden would be legendary. Playing for the Knicks would be legendary, and I'm just worried. That you know, this could be the these beginnings of a Gordon Hayward story, but that's like four to eight years away. So it's a very long term concern. But I'm just saying it's there. All right. Anyway, go listen. Right. Go All listen right. to the last episode for my full thoughts. Uh, before we talk about this actual NBA trade, this actual maneuver that happened, I want to talk about SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a couple of taps on my phone, I can instantly find the seats that I want for a great price. I actually just used SeatGeek tickets to buy my Panthers tickets. I'm, I'm gearing up. We've got Packers. We've got Vikings. My buddy's a Vikings fan. So I found some great seats for the Panthers games that are coming up. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, this is the best part, 
Well, it's the second best part. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Here's the best part. Our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONBA today. That's L-O-N-B-A for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Okay, let's talk about this, you know, run-of-the-mill, totally normal, late August blockbuster, double all-star, Eastern Conference, elite tradezilla. You know the details by now. Kyrie Irving goes to Boston. Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Ante Zizic, and Brooklyn's unprotected first-round pick go to Cleveland. David, what's your overriding thought that you have about this trade now that you've had a day or so to think about it? Well, the main thing is I think it was a win for pretty much everyone as long as Isaiah Thomas is healthy. And I think that's the biggest question mark that I'm still seeing out there. I mean, I heard yesterday he's not even clear to play full contact basketball uh, yet. And that's a little bit of a concern considering it's almost September. But, I mean, for the Cavs to get an all-star and a first-round pick and Jay Crowder and another player back for a guy that they basically had to get rid of, I, I don't recall a bigger haul coming back for, you know, a disgruntled superstar in recent memory. So, for them, I think it was – uh, almost not a no-brainer, but they had to do something, and, and to get what they got back was huge. And then for Boston, you know, they upgraded with Kyrie. It's so weird that they have a completely different starting five basically now. I mean, you got Horford there, but they could have, uh, I guess, Kyrie, Jalen Brown, and a Morris twin, and then uh, Gordon Hayward. I mean, it's a completely different look for them. So that's going to be a little, you know, difficult to navigate, I think, starting off at least. But I mean, yeah, uh, this is a rare trade that I think worked out for basically every, all parties involved. Nick, it's great that we have you here because you, of course, kicked off our segment a few years ago. What's happening around the NBA? So now we're figuring out what's happening with Cleveland and Boston. Nick, do you think that Boston upgraded by adding Kyrie Irving over Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, I mean, he is. I think Kyrie is a slightly better point guard. I think you can put him in sort of the top five category. I mean, and I feel like I'm like throwing shade at Isaiah Thomas, and that's not really the case whatsoever. But I mean, this is this is the guard they wanted. I mean, um, Ainge has been kind of pressed to make a move like this. Um, so I think, yeah, this is it's a slight upgrade for them. Um, he's also three years younger, so that's I think that's it's part of the thinking that that went into this. Um, what's interesting is I kind of view. I mean, I, I like it for both sides, but I I, I see. Cleveland's position in this because you know there are there's kind of small reports coming out here and it and some of it's coming from Woj and you know and anyways what's what's kind of being discussed is that you know it's it's unclear whether LeBron's going to stay past this year um so I think what Cleveland was looking for was a package where not only could they you know maybe appease LeBron this season um and get some talent back and still be able to compete but they have they have something for the future as well that that 2018 unprotected pick, I think, is is that ship. So if, if LeBron does go, um, and they have to start over, they know okay, we have not. I mean, right now they have their pick and they have the Brooklyn pick. So I mean, they can do something maybe with both of those things, but they have a reset option there. So yeah, I think it worked out in that case. I and they can do and they can do a full reset, right? Or if by some miracle LeBron decides to stick around, you know, they can work out something with. 
Isaiah Thomas on that front. So they kind of gave himself a little more flexibility in my eyes. Well, I don't, I don't, now that they have these pieces, I'm not sure that it would take a miracle to keep LeBron James. And that's why I'm not sure how this really makes sense in the, not, not even in the short term, but definitely not in the long term for the Boston Celtics, unless they really thought the Isaiah Thomas hip injury was going to bite them later and did not want to, to pay him, you know, on that next contract. But even then, you know, I, I see the Celtics swapping two amazing offensive players. I'm not sure that Kyrie Irving is a tremendous upgrade in terms of product, in terms of offensive production and certainly not defensive production over Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, you give up a possible top tier future asset in that Brooklyn pick in the process. Most importantly, I don't understand why Boston would want to help Cleveland their biggest obstacle to returning to the finals. This is why you don't see these type of things happening with two conference rivals because you're so scared of, of making that happen. And we know Ainge has been so trade resistant and to finally make a trade with your conference rival is baffling to me. Uh, And, and more importantly, most importantly, they've helped Cleveland with their, their two existential problems. One being, Kyrie's angst blowing up their entire season. We've heard reports that Kyrie may have held out of training camp. And and so you helped them out of that situation that could have blown up or at least derailed the early part of their season. Plus you give the, the chance that LeBron could stay and not leave for the Lakers in the next off season. If you're the Celtics, in my mind, you just paid a premium to help your biggest rival out of a jam and may have allowed them to sustain Eastern Conference dominance for the next two to three years. I don't get it. No, but because they were they were looking at paying a 29-year-old point guard, healthy or not, that max contract. And I think that was the big thing for Boston uh, and Danny Ainge. I mean, they okay, were so then don't pay it. So, but why? Why? Well, then what are you going to do? I mean, they still have They got plenty too. of talent. So they the, well, they still have the Lakers pick to deal with. They still have pieces to add. And they kind of lengthened their window. So their time frame just got a little more wide. They got more people on the same track. So instead of instead oh, of dealing Nick, with Nick, a guy, is that the ice cream man? You trying to get some trying to get some Mickey Mouse ice cream? <laughs> sorry about that. You never don't ever be sorry, Nick, for ice cream. I mean, All right, I go think on, the Dan. Main thing, just like we were talking about Dwight Howard, the Hornets have to take a chance to add talent. I mean, Kyrie is not a massive upgrade over. Isaiah Thomas, but that is an upgrade. I mean, Kyrie is on a different level, just like we were talking about when, you know, we're tossing around the idea of of swapping uh, Kyrie and Kemba. I mean, he's one of the elite, elite offensive players in this league. And yeah, Isaiah Thomas had a had a mind-blowing year, especially like from an efficiency standpoint last year. How, you know, how how, how likely is that to, to, to be done again? Um, he's, a, he's a guy, he's already hurt a little bit. So, I mean, I think They were just looking at the contract situation, the age, just his physical stature. And they said, hey, we got a chance to get a younger guy who's better. I mean, he is an upgrade. I think an upgrade on defense from Kyrie to Isaiah Thomas, wherever you look at it's not huge, but he's not as much of a liability. So I think they were looking at that from a standpoint of not wanting to pay him, um, you know, when that time comes. I mean, that was the big thing. Nick, I just don't understand helping because even if, if David's right, and the Boston Celtics have extended their window, as long as LeBron James is in Cleveland, to me, that window is basically shut. So why would you help that happen, Nick? I, that's what I don't get. 
Okay, so I think you, 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 your your point of saying, well, you know, if you don't want to pay Isaiah Thomas max money, you let him walk. Well, then you're just basically telling the other stars in that team that, hey, we're no like we're not willing to remain a championship contending team. Um, the point about LeBron, it's a valid point. Yeah, I mean, as long as he's in Cleveland, you're going to assume that they're going to be the favorites, and and they're going to, you know, the Celtics are going to be. It's going to be tough for them to get over it, to to beat them. But again, right now, I think they're thinking about this. You know, I mean, the, the reports are suggesting that LeBron is so he just so he yeah. cannot stand he cannot stand the ownership um, yeah. to the point where it doesn't matter what happens that you know I'm not sure I'm just not sure about that. No, and I know, and I know right now it's early, and it, you know, but I mean, I think maybe Ainge is thinking is okay. One, we get we have gotten a little bit better with with Kyrie Irving. We've gotten a little bit younger as well. So, our, like as David said, the windows opened a little bit longer. Um, you're, you know, because I mean, again, you're you're now pairing Kyrie at 25 with Gordon Hayward, who you just who you just signed. Um, you're you're lengthening this window, and you're telling these guys like, look, we we bought into bringing you guys in and, and creating this, you know, championship contending team. Um, if LeBron does move on after next season, suddenly, you know, the East is look needs a new top team. Boston would be the likely favorite there. Um, I mean, I, I, I think the, you know, it, it, there is something to suggest like, okay, they're giving, they gave up a pretty big asset with that Brooklyn pick, but if, you know, if they were going to let Isaiah go, there's not really, you know, there was not going to be a better return in terms of a point guard than yeah. getting Kyrie Irving. And I think at that point, they just had to swallow the bullet and, or whatever, you know, and just say, okay, if we have to deal with Cleveland, we're going to deal with Cleveland. And if that complicates things this year, so be it. But we're going to bet on ourselves, bet on our coach and, you know, make this work. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just again, I, I don't, I don't understand helping your helping again. If if Boston were the the number one team and, and Cleveland was trailing, I could I would get it, but I just don't understand helping doing any because that Brooklyn pick is the key because you know even if I, I think they could still deal that pick for a a player an asset because I don't think that pick ever gets made by Cleveland. I think they end up dealing it for an asset that helps them continue. The only the only way that this works for Boston is if if Brooklyn, you know, just comes out like gangbusters and Jeremy Lin's healthy and D'Angelo Russell helps that team kind of get things back on track. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. So uh, yeah, I just don't understand it. We did learn a couple of things though. I think from this trade, one that Kyrie Irving had a lot of value, maybe more value than. Uh, the, then the Hornets could have provided. I, I think we had sort of speculated on that, David, that the Hornets were not going to be able to, along with a lot of other teams, were not going to be able to deliver assets enough to to pry Kyrie Irving away from Cleveland. And I think this Boston deal certainly certainly proved that. It also proved that there is no... Can we just stop saying that there's loyalty in sports? We, we Every time something like this happens, you have, you have somebody go, well, I guess there's no loyalty in sports. Like, what events... In the in the past ten years, has has proven that there's loyalty in sports. Yeah, I think the unfortunate thing for maybe Isaiah Thomas is he could lose out on some of that big money that I think yeah. he was maybe more likely to get in Boston. You know, especially if he had another good year. You know, some of that loyalty coming into play. Whereas now it's just it's not it's not as guaranteed. I mean, who knows? Uh, he could get it from Cleveland. He could get it from somewhere else. But 
Um, I think it's a little riskier now, especially given the injury and all that stuff. Uh, so I kind of feel bad for him because he's moved around so much. Yeah. And, and yeah, and you felt like he, he set down some roots in Boston. I mean, they loved him there. Um, so I'm kind of pulling for him from that standpoint to have a good year and, and get that payday. But man, he, he really does. He deserves it. If anybody's worked as hard as he has, that's also going to be an interesting thing. I think he's pissed off and I think LeBron's pissed off. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are going to be ready to go. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Nick, because when we talked about the the Kemba Walker for Kyrie Irving type of scenario, so many fans uh, came out and said, "You you can't trade Kemba Walker. He means right. he means too much to this team. Look at what he's done for this team. He was here in the dark darkest of times right. and brought this team out of obscurity and just got this All Star bid. But then you you look at Boston." And, you know, what, what more could Isaiah Thomas have done for that team? Right. Yeah. I mean, when people, you know, this is the, I think this is kind of the truth of it all. When, when, when people say like Kimball Walker has done too much for this team, it's, it's more so like he's done, he means, or he means too much. I'd say he means too much for, for the individual fan too. And I think mm-hmm. it, it's tough for us to objectively look at trading Kimball Walker, even though, you know, Irving is a better point guard. It's tough for us to say that's the trade we should make because it's just that's so that that pulls too much on kind of the personal heartstrings of us all. So right, right, Nick. But know, does it yeah. say to you? Does this say to you that to play with the big boys, you know, to yeah. to to play for that Eastern Conference final contention spot, you have to do things like this? Yes. Yeah, I think if. <clears throat> If the Hornets were in a position, which they're not in this position, but if the Hornets were in a position where trading someone like Kemba Walker and getting a player back in return meant they went from a, you know, middle of the pack playoff team to one that could actually make the finals, that's a decision I think the front office would have to make. It's, I mean, I, and I think that's what Boston is considering here. You know, okay, we, we were number one last season, but we came up short. So let's take, Let's get our Irving. This upgrades us just a little bit. We've added Gordon Hayward. We're a better team than we were last year. Okay. They, are, they made a tough decision to get Kyrie Irving. So I think if the Hornets were in that position, despite, you know, what Kimball Walker has done for this franchise, and I know it sounds, you know, it's like, man, it's, that would be just a really awful way to end Kimball Walker's career here. I mean, if you're getting Russell Westbrook in return, I mean, right. And, and you know that Westbrook is would commit long term. You gotta have you have to make the move. I mean, let me ask you this: If if dude, if you it, you just said something that's gonna end up on Yabata. By the way, <laughs> Yabata is gonna report was, uh, that uh, there's a rumor that Kemba Walker Russell Westbrook trade in the works. If this was if this was uh, Kemba Walker for Stephen Curry, would would we? How do we? You know, like. No. It, it's it's I think fans would think a little bit differently at that point, but you know. Yeah, speaking of that big haul, Doug, and to your point, I mean, were, would you guys have been shocked if you'd just seen Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving straight up? Like, it's a it's a pretty big haul, right? Like, isn't that yeah. isn't that weird to think about from that standpoint? They they not only got uh, an all star, but they like I said, they got two other players, a Jay Crowder who can probably help take some of the defensive load off LeBron a little bit, maybe, and and a and a lottery pick. I mean. That's a lot. Yeah, and well, and they had to do that because Isaiah Thomas's contract was so you know that that contract that he was on currently was affordable relative to the yeah. you know to Kyrie's contract and the rest of the contracts that were signed after it's 
and Jay Crowder had a had a pretty cheap contract as well, one of the cheapest. And uh, so they had to make those salaries work. And yeah, I think when we were discussing, and I heard other teams podcasts, you know, discussing what those trade scenarios were looking like. I didn't hear any assets that were going to compete with that Brooklyn, that coveted 2018 Brooklyn pick that you know the Boston Celtics, you know, really, really, really did not want to part with. And when they saw the opportunity to get Kyrie, and I think it does speak to what what other front offices view Kyrie as, you know, as a player that has that potential. Again, when you look at the stats, just, you know, one-to-one with Isaiah Thomas, they look similar, but you go, okay, what about when we're in the fourth quarter of that Eastern Conference Finals game seven? Who do you want on your team as your point guard? Do you want Kyrie Irving or do you want Isaiah Thomas? And I think a lot of front offices would take Kyrie Irving you know, six times a week and, and twice on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah was really good in the fourth though. I, so yeah, that was but, but that's, that's fine. But I think play, again, that's when you look at the whole thing, I think once you get into yeah. the playoffs and you yeah. start, you, you play somebody seven times and you, you're able to scheme against a certain player. It's not just one night. I think yeah. it's a whole different story. I think, and I've said this with with Kimball Walker as well. I think there is there is a size component to this. I think that there and and, and it may be it may be fair, it may be unfair, but I think there's a size component when it comes to point guards and a view that when it comes to playoffs, it's tougher to win with a point guard that can be trapped, you know, out of a play. Yeah, this, this whole thing is so bizarre to me still that Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland so bad because you have LeBron James on your team. So to, to perform in those, in, you know, to perform in the finals, to perform in the Eastern Conference finals, uh, it, it does you well to have LeBron on your team but, still. Like, but that's, he's, all, that's the craziest thing. I think, I think he's been there. He's been to the mountaintop. And, and yeah. once you've been, I think some people are built like, okay, I got a championship. Now I want to be the man. Yeah. Like I've done that. I've done the championship yeah. thing. I'm just I'm just not sure that everyone's wired in this way that says I have to win as many championships as possible to put myself in in some pantheon. I think Kobe was wired that way. He certainly wanted more championships well, goes, than Jordan. But I don't think Kyrie. Kyrie seen, just wants though. to be the man. He's been the man, though. I mean, he was in Cleveland. I, no, I, I, no, know. come on, man. <laughs> if you're with LeBron he James, was, LeBron James is the man. Well, before LeBron was there, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, but that was, you know, that was a different. That was he was young. That was different. That was he, a different time. He's still the man, though. Yeah, he definitely was the man. I mean, we'll see. It's interesting because I mean, I think there still are questions about Kyrie and uh, some of his maybe ability to be that guy on the team. I mean, there's going to be a lot of different options in Boston. And one of the things that made them so good was last year was like the ability of several guys to be able to create and have the ball. And Kyrie has the ball a lot. Um, so, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? But I just think that it's, there's always a, um, a, a time to gel for, for these big additions. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And Gordon Hayward, uh, I mean, he creates as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, let's talk about the signing, the official signing that happened yesterday. We kind of all knew it was coming if you, if you listen to the show. Uh, Julian Stone signing a two-year deal with the Hornets, that second year most likely 
unguaranteed. He will wear the number 32. He makes uh, the 14th man on the roster, not counting those uh, two-way signings and the training camp invites that they've extended. So 14 official you know, longer-term uh, contracts on the roster. Uh, the lowdown on Stone, he struggles uh, shooting, and that's kept him from catching on to an NBA team. But after several trips to the D-League and Italian leagues, he's converted himself into a tall, he's 6'6", a lot of size, pass-first guard who can guard multiple positions. And there's some signs of an improved outside shot, but not significant. He looks to fill that third point guard role for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Nick, are you surprised that the Hornets went with a Julian Stone who's a little unproven as opposed to someone that has more veteran experience behind Michael Carter-Williams and Kemba Walker? Yeah, a little surprised just, I mean, in terms of going with him over a veteran. I mean, and again, but this really just maybe comes down to, you know, did they put feelers out? Did they decide, you know, are any of these veterans available? I mean, obviously, they what did they work? They worked out eight point guards um, last month. A lot of them were um, were veterans. You know, obviously, weren't sold on any of them based at least based on those workouts. Yeah, I think the, the you know Stone is he fits the mold of what they were looking for. I think you know they're I, I really it, it's just just based on you know signing Michael Carter Williams and now Stone. It's looking like. The Hornets want to make sure that they can match up properly when Malik Monk is on the floor. You know, maybe this is a situation where Monk has to, maybe Monk guards the point guard and maybe Stone and Carter Williams guard the shooting guards, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just, just so that Monk isn't exposed against a bigger, bigger player. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel a little bit better about Stone as the third point guard than, say, Brian Roberts, just because the size is, I think, size is nice. You know, it's nice to have somebody who, you know, is not going to, I mean, Roberts for what he could do on, on offense just got punished defensively. And I don't think they want to, you know, have to worry about that with their third point guard. David, final word. Yeah, I think it just fit the situation, right? They had a, a kind of a, a small hole to fill uh, salary-wise, so they had to make that work as well. And like mm-hmm. Nick said, they, uh, they clearly weren't blown away by any of the guys they brought in. More of known quantities, but maybe in this situation, they kind of want to take a shot on a guy. Maybe they could develop, had a little more height in the backcourt, and like I said, can make it fit money-wise. So um, it's, a, it's a decent gamble to take with your third point guard. Yeah, if you're going to take a gamble, might as well take a gamble on a guy who has size and can defend multiple positions. So even if he's not electric offensively, he can hold the fort uh, defensively. That'll do it for us for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to us on iTunes or, hey, use Overcast. And if you do, give us give this episode a star on Overcast. It helps us shoot up through the rankings. I just saw yesterday we were top 10 in yeah. recommended podcast on Overcast. So thank you, LOH Nation, for going out and giving us those stars. Keep it up. Keep us up in the rankings so that we can get more listens and deliver more of this great news and analysis that you've come to expect daily from Locked On Hornets. We return to Daily Podcast on uh, September 11th. So make sure you check us out because we're going to be doing player previews, getting you ready for training camp, which comes up at the end of September. Follow us on Twitter for the latest news. And shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David and Nick, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.